We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR25. You'll save 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, what in the world? was that <laughs> uh I, i'll i'll say the words out loud and you all tell me in the comments and and patrick here as we were kind of alluding to before we came on how believable they are the colorado rockies won the series in la against the dodgers and actually took the rubber match so convincingly that justin turner was called upon to pitch the final inning for the Dodgers in the game. If you've been in a coma, first <laughs> off, congratulations on the revitalization well, of your health. But two, this is all factual, as crazy as it might sound. And they, the Rockies have won their second road series of the year. And now they've just doubled their chances in defeating a World Series contender during the season in a series. They did it last year. The only team to beat the Dodgers in a series in general. Here they go and do it out on the road. They did it to San Diego now. Uh, actually, yeah. they did it twice to San Diego. I'm excuse me. Uh, the second team that they beat or won a road series against. And so it's it's a little unbelievable. And it's, it's very sweet. Not bittersweet. Uh, but it just is sweet that they were able to do this in a series in which the Dodgers all but – rested their starting pitchers they almost went out and tried to have a bullpen game just about every game we didn't see bueller we didn't see scherzer didn't see julio urias sure mitchell white is is all right you know and, and he held his own today to a degree david price came in off the backs of Corey knable trying to do a little uh of the opener thing. yeah but and, and but, hey that one ended up working on saturday but at the end of the yeah. day no. They did not end up sweeping, nor did they even win more than they lost. Yeah. They got beaten by, well, this part I shouldn't say celebratory, but one of the worst road teams in the history of National League Baseball. But the Rockies, man, they played fantastic, even in the loss on Saturday. We'll break all that down. Yeah. It was definitely, again, one of those series where you're really proud of this ball club and what they were able to do. And finally, the results of the game, the win matched the progress that they had been making throughout this entire season. 
Yeah, it, you know, and and you wouldn't have expected to see it come in this particular series. Like earlier when I was predicting like they were going to get the better of like the Pirates and stuff when they were on the road, you know, stuff like that. The Diamondbacks when they should have won that series and didn't. Um, but it, yeah, it did finally break through. They've been playing better. We talked about how, uh, you know, if not for the bullpen collapses, they very easily could have swept in Chicago. Uh, and then again here, as you just alluded to, if not for another, you know, really rough outing from Daniel Bard, who knows where game two of this one goes. You're, you were that close to the Rockies taking all three of these. And yeah, you didn't get the A-plus version of the Dodgers, but uh, a couple of things there. One, the B version of the Dodgers is still better than most teams in the National League. Let's not kid ourselves for even a second. Um, and two, as Goody pointed out on the show uh, yesterday, we had to do a Saturday one, was, uh, you know, and, and I heard it on the, the radio broadcast. Actually, I had the Dodgers radio broadcast on for a little while today, and they were talking about the Rays going 18-1 and one against the Baltimore Orioles this year. And it's like... They all count. You win, and and the Padres on the flip side, if they were able to take care of business against the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, they'd be in a postseason position right now, and they're not. So you've got to play the teams on your schedule. Uh, the Dodgers have an extraordinary amount of talent. There were plenty of opportunities. You guys like Justin Turner, Trey Turner, and Cody Bellinger, and Will Smith. Uh, and and those guys to do damage throughout this year and Chris Taylor and they did at times but uh, the Rockies just played the better three game set top to bottom and I'm at, look I'm as baffled as anybody but that is what happened <laughs> and as you said they led in all three of these games in fact they scored first in in all of these games and even on on Saturday uh, after the home run from Will Smith they still ended up getting up two one so. You know, really was it was about the it was about the pitching in every game for the Rockies, where mm. the Rocks ended up they controlled the game, and on Saturday, unfortunately, that meant you know the opposite with with everything that happened in Daniel Bard, but mm. they they controlled the tempo of of everything, and they went in to Los Angeles after again a, a series in in Wrigley where very competitive, but nearly got swept, and again it's I can't say it enough that it's finally. We've, if, you, if you're watching close enough, and most of you that are listening to this have seen them make those improvements throughout the year, and it, it just hasn't translated. Mainly, it's been more of the offense than it has been the pitching. And right. I think there, I think there was two road trips, and they might have been back to back, maybe around in June, where the offense started doing it, and the pitching wasn't doing it. And then, you know, here in this series, they were actually able to do that. In fact. You know, one thing I tweeted out was they have only had eight sacrifice flies, right? They've only had eight sack RBIs essentially all season long on the road, and two of them came in this series. Connor Joe got ended up getting wow. the first one on Saturday. Uh, we saw Rio Ruiz battling mm-hmm. and a really good at bat. That yeah. was nice to see. He had a uh, his a nice Rockies moment for himself. Was at the plate even at the wild pitch. So that's been one of those little things that they just haven't been able to converge on, and they were able to do that. Right, they're kind of yeah. yeah. Their bad luck ran out, and it it ended up you know pushing some runs across the board when they needed it, and they got it you know in in these small bunches so yeah. to speak in this series, and that was the difference. Yeah, there were a couple of times where I thought maybe, and we'll get into that, but let's frame it through the conversation of the man of the hour. And what an incredible performance this was, especially once you put it into full context. But just for the day's context, it's a great performance out of our draft king of the game. Of course, that's got to be Colorado Rockies starting pitcher, Antonio Senzatella. Seven innings pitched. Two hits, both of them singles, if, if I recall correctly. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. No runs given up, five strikeouts. Really, really dominated this game after his entire career getting dominated by the Los Angeles Dodgers. It was exactly what I think he needed to a degree because we've talked about him being this steady Eddie you know, all season long and like, Hey, he's a great kind of middle, maybe back end of the rotation guy. Yeah. He's not going to do too many big things. He's also not going to, 
you know, have a, a lot of those awful outings. He's going to be kind of right there in the middle. And today you saw the the upper end of, of what he can be capable of. And again, against a team like the Dodgers, you know, it, it's kind of one of those performances that there's going to be a couple teams around the league, particularly the National League, that's going to take notice of that and say, you know what, we might have to give Bill Schmidt or whoever the GM is over there in uh, Denver and give him a call because – we see a lot of potential there in Antonio Sensatella, and if he can shut down this Dodgers team that's, you know, battling to try to win the West against the San Francisco Giants, uh, that's precisely what we might need to overtake the Dodgers. And so he could be, you know, an interesting trade chip. We we know how much talent is on this Rockies team, not like their world beaters, even though they they did beat the world reigning world champions. Asterisk. <laughs> um, but they have enough guys that have that potential that other teams very much covet and we don't always have an opportunity to see what players other teams covet like nolan arenado has been the only guy that the rockies have traded away in recent memory where you go oh yeah obviously this other team wanted nolan but those are the only trades that have actually gone forward there's plenty of other you know teams that are interested in players and obviously trevor story uh, at the trade deadline, but the bottom line is Antonio Sensatella. You know, just he increased his stock, and and this is just uh, a fantastic outing. You know, for him against this lineup. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a fully charged Dodgers lineup, but like you said, man, their their B lineup is good enough to get it done. And if you're a Dodgers fan, you're out there saying, yeah, this is a moment. Catch your breath before the next big series. And well, took their eye off the ball to a degree. <laughs> They, they all tell them they, they do not want to end up having to play one game for their season. And these are the ones you can't be doing if you're the Dodgers there. So these games very much mattered. You know, they started putting guys into them. They, they were the Dodgers, as much as they were trying to be clever and coy, maybe rest up and, and, and do some, you know, strategic roster moves here. They were very much trying to win these games. And so, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. And like you said, the lineup that Sensatella is facing now, he came into this game in his career with an ERA over seven against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And on the season, it was over 16. So he'd been just getting absolutely murderized by these guys, just obliterated. So that had to feel good because we know we've seen Senza break out those occasional seven innings no earned runs. Usually there's five or six hits in there. You can be a little more contact on only ended up issuing one walk. It was late. Uh, it, it was in his final inning of work there where got a couple of guys on. And this was the first, I, I kind of alluded to this a second ago. This was the first moment in the game where I still thought, Oh, the Dodgers are going to come back and win uh, because now I love the decision, Bud black made here um, with the bases loaded and then having just brought in a couple of runs with, as Patrick had mentioned, uh, you know, a really good at-bat from Rio Ruiz to bring in a sack fly, a wild pitch. So they, they've made it 5 nothing. So Buddy pulls back Ryan McMahon, and he sends Sensatella back out there with two outs and the bases loaded, now up 5 nothing because he wants to get another inning out of his starter. And so that has the possibility of blowing up and you're facing two ways because you're not going to get like if Sensa comes up with a big hit there, then you look like a genius, but it's not going to happen. It didn't. So you go, okay, you maybe missed an opportunity for a big inning there. McMahon puts the ball in the gap, game over, right? And then you flip to the other side and base hit and a walk. First two reach against Sensatella. Now you're you're in real danger, right? Of looking like not only did you miss your opportunity to blow the game open on offense with Senza maybe running out of gas that happens now a ball in the gap and it's a five, two game. And, and this is very much a baseball game all of a sudden, but uh, Chris Taylor down the line and Connor Joe who had his worst day at the plate we've seen in a long time <sighs> makes the catch reaching over the wall. And it was a uh, boy. That was a deep sigh of relief moment. Sensatella somehow works out of that thing finishes on a very positive note. It sucked the air out of the ballpark. You could you could even hear it when he made that catch. You know, I, I don't know if that was fans were thinking, oh, he robbed him of a home run or like, A, wrong, wrong fence. So that was not the the home run wall. Uh, and also it was a foul ball if he didn't catch it. 
you know, the, the ball's not in play and the runners advance. But at the same time, you understood kind of what that meant. I was like, no, that's that's not how this had that's supposed to end. Um, and, and, and I love that idea of, of Sensatella going back out there for the seventh because, you know, I sort of got the sense with Joe Kinley was kind of taking his time out there a little bit with the pitching change. I was getting a sense like, are they trying to like ice Sensatella because they want the bullpen? And we actually did see Kenley Jansen do it again the next inning because if you were listening to the, the radio broadcast, Jack, Jack Horgan pointed it out that the clock didn't start for his two minutes to warm up between innings until Kenley Jansen reached the mound. So there was a delay at the start of that, the top of that inning. And so that's, again, just a nice little home field advantage, I guess, that the Dodgers are going to try to take advantage of. But uh, it was it was all for naught. And their 5-0 victory is their biggest one since 2010. And it's the, their second biggest one ever. They they won once uh, – oh, that's in 2010. They, they won uh, 8-0. Uh, and in 2016, they won three zip, but this is a five zero blanking. And it really sets up for a pretty exciting series. And even if, you know, uh, next weekend and, and this Thursday, Rockies will be back home for a four game set against Atlanta, three during the week against San Francisco. Even if that doesn't go great, even if it's three and four or two and five, I think it's more likely going to be three and four, maybe four and three. The Rockies at home, we know, are, are just a different breed. But it yeah. sets up for a great final week where the Dodgers come, a strange one, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But now yeah. Dodgers, yes, now the Dodgers are, you know, 13 games until the end of their season. Every game is that much more valuable. And yeah. they're going full strength, full force against the Rockies at home. And I think that can make for a really, really interesting you know, weekday series. And I, and, I, and I hope Rockies fans turn out for that one so that doesn't become another one of those games where it sounds like let's go Rodgers because we've got yeah, Rodgers, right. Rockies going. But it but it could be a fun series of, okay, you know what? It, each team has kind of gone back and forth a little bit. Dodgers have played really well against the, the Rockies at Coors Field. But um, I, I, want, I want the Rockies to, to, to win that one as well at home because you know there's going to be full strength and there's going to be no excuses by Dodgers fans at that point should the Rockies win yet again. I think Brendan might be the only person who really appreciates when the chants sound like that. He's going, hey, let's go Rodgers. They love me here, man. It sounds like that when it's Padres and Rockies as well. It still sounds like that. Yeah. Uh, All right. I'll tell you who I'm toasting my – Breck Brew, too, on this day. I've got the Mountain Beach. That's the sour. If you like a sour, I really do highly recommend the Mountain Beach. Very, very good. If you like an IPA, go with the Hot Peak. If you like an Amber, get the Avalanche Amber. Yeah, here you got the – he's got the Mountain Beach as well. Producer, yeah, here, rocking the Mountain Beach. That's what's up. It's a good time for, for day game baseball. And remember, you can get a much bigger breakfast. We well, get 15 can samplers at all the you know places where you buy beers and stuff. But you get a much bigger one when you're a member of the DNVR family. Do subscribe today at the DNVR.com. You get access to all the written content, access to our Discord private chat room where we're always talking baseball 24-7, all the other sports, anything and everything under the sun. We'll also send you a free shirt when you order the annual today. So sign up again. Subscribe at the DNVR.com. Uh, and I do toast my Breck brew to uh, the bullpen, actually, believe it or not. Uh, you, you've you've got to do it. Now, we know we talked about, you know, in game two, Daniel Bard still continue to have his issues. But all things considered, and no, it's, they're, they're not perfect clean innings. Uh, you know, Tyler Kinley, very close to one today, t- caught a tough break there when Trevor Story loses a ball in the sun. And really, you know, yeah, he got a little wild, two wild pitches. You don't like that. The walks, you don't like that. but the strikeout to not allow any runs and, and keep the shutout intact. You love that out of this bullpen. Uh, and then Estevez, uh, now this one's not a, a save opportunity because they're up by more, but with his first couple of chances at the ninth inning, looking very solid. Patrick. Yeah. Those, those two guys that I think have, have stepped it up a lot um, over his last seven outings, Tyler Kinley, 1.17 ERA, uh, 11 strikeouts, three walks. So he's cleaned it up a lot. And again, for this bullpen, that's 
struggled as mightily as it has, that's that's major progress. And and as as we said, Estevez has been the guy that you know at the end of the day, midweek, I said just just give him the ball because it I don't, it doesn't really matter either way. So I'd I'd rather Estevez go out there right. and kind of be the one. And um, you know, I've heard some whispers that he could be a, be a non tender candidate. This this off season, just because he'll be getting a little bit more in his final season of arbitration, I don't necessarily. I, I'm definitely leaning towards that not well, happening at think, all. Yeah, I would think I would I would agree that that's not going to happen, especially if he can continue in, in doing what uh, he is now. And you know, he'll frankly he'll, he's going to get paid a little bit extra for these saves. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I'm I'm glad that he's you know back in the mix doing that, and you know maybe it, maybe it allows Buddy some to to give. Daniel Bard some time off, and it becomes Kinley in the seventh, Chassin in the eighth, Estevez in the ninth. And, you know, for a team that is not going to the postseason, that's okay if those roles end up shifting, right? Like sure. a, a typical, you know, postseason club, they've got their seventh, eighth, ninth almost locked up from July on, right? They're, they're acquiring a guy for the bullpen. We saw the White Sox do that in Craig Kimbrell. And that's fine for them, but, you know, when you're a team figuring it out, you can mix and match a little bit. And, you know, and, and those are three of the more veteran guys in the bullpen, really, when you think about it. I mean, Robert Stevenson's kind of at the middle point yeah. of being a, you know, he's been around for a couple of years, but he's still really young and has a, a lot more years of, uh, of service time left before you can even become a free agent. So you right. kind of have Kinley, Chessine, Estevez, the older guys besides Bard in that bullpen. And so I, I think that makes sense right now for those guys as Gilbreth, Ben Bowden. Uh, Justin Lawrence, when we see him, those mm. guys to kind of get their opportunities, work them in when they need to. They also don't they don't need to have these games, so you can play around with it. And go, all right, you know, Kinley, you've earned a spot in the seventh, so we're gonna we're gonna make you that guy for right now. And if right. Buddy decides to turn around and give somebody else an opportunity, so be it, right? Because we know the young guys, a lot of these names on this roster in the next couple years. You know, some of them could be around for that next uh, possible right. contending team if they do it sooner than later. So give them that opportunity, just like Estevez is getting that chance now in the closers role. You know, give it to maybe some of those younger guys as we go forward. If it's not Kinley and Chassin and Estevez, seventh, eighth, ninth. Right, and I, I mean, uh, even you know, Almonte's been better as of late. I know the yep. ERA is still way up there, but he pitched two innings, no hits, couple of walks, four strikeouts in that game that kind of turned into a bullpen one with uh, John Gray having come out, obviously we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that um, and hope that there's nothing too serious going on there with John. Uh, but yeah, like the, the bullpen in general, I just really, uh, obviously other than Daniel Bard, who's had the most important job in the bullpen until very recently, but they've been, they've been a lot better. So you got to toast to those guys a little bit. And of course, to the player who keeps making his bid for player of the month in August. Really, after his swing in the first inning of this game, the ball game was over, as it turned out, with the way the Rockies pitched. C.J. Kroll, man, another big one. And one of the things, like, if, if you were squinting at his work so far this year, a couple of weeks ago, and looking for, like, where is he really, like, what is, what is the problem area? Like a lot of Rockies players throughout history, pretty strong splits doing the vast majority of his damage at home, particularly in terms of the home run ball. Uh, but this, this road trip here, this is like, I look, I can hit him anywhere, folks. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. I can hit him anywhere. A couple of big blasts uh, to, to power the Rockies to some wins. Really, he, he kind of carried the Rockies offensively in this series. He's been fantastic this month. And and I want to get back to this idea that maybe Kyle Freeland could even be pitcher of the month. I, I don't know. It, he might end up – he may need to win because of how some other people do in their final start because – it, we're here. It's the 29th of August when we were going to say he's not, making, he's not making another start. So we'll have to go and examine those numbers. But with the three RBI today, now CJ Corn has 33 for the month, which is, is the most of, of any player. He has mm -hmm. 10 homers this month. Salvador Perez has 12 and might be a somewhat of a feel good favorite for some of the voters out there. I mean, again, he's in the American league. So don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, 
But right, because we're talking about NL uh, Player of the we're Month. Just doing that, we're still we're Bryce good. Harper has nine. And again, according to Fangraphs, for a first baseman in Colorado, already you're you're probably starting on at negative one WAR. Like <laughs> before you even step to the plate, you're like, all right. It's, I know it's your first plate appearance, but you don't have any homers yet. So we got to dock you for that because you're a first baseman in Colorado. And that actually has nothing to do with Todd Helton. It's just a statistical uh, right. issue. You know, he's been worth 1.6 war and that's 1.4 war. And, and that's, that's almost been good enough for tops in the national league. And he's going to have two more games in a somewhat mm-hmm. hitter friendly ballpark down there in Texas. And it could be interesting. It could it's be interesting. Game. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, to answer your question, it's an extraordinary value. They've got him on a one year, uh, you know, they, it was a minor league deal, wasn't it? They just brought it. It was an invite to spring training, basically like a show up with the promise was, and he was offered a contract actually this off season by the Dodgers, but uh, turned it down particularly because he thought he was going to have an opportunity to play every day and win a job with the Rockies. He, we all, you know, we like to use the term bet on himself. And he won because <laughs> he's going to make more money next year, whether it's the Rockies or somebody else. And he's still getting up there in age, so I don't think he's breaking anyone's bank. But I think you're looking at, you know, a guy who's going to make four to six million dollars a year uh, and, and be looking for a couple of years. And I think if the Rockies sign him to a two year, eight million dollar contract, he'd be happy with it. They'd be happy with it. Rockies fans would be happy with it. And and you go with it. So a twelve forty five OPS in August that that maybe went up today. Will uh, so yeah. I think I think if the Rockies match what he's looking for, you know. And again, we we know how some of these negotiations can go. Playing hardball, and here's your quote. Here's what we really would like to spend. Um, yeah, I think they can come together. I, I have a little bit of, of fears that he he might not be back. He's he's almost played himself out of Colorado because. You know, I, I don't know how much Colorado, the Rockies are going to end up spending. You know, I know they've talked about veteran guys bringing them in, but some of the early numbers that I've been crunching suggest that, you know, they might not be adding all that much uh, this offseason. Uh, and frankly, you know, CJ Crone was on the discount bin. Couldn't the Rockies find another first baseman on the discount bin that could do the exact same thing without tying themselves for eight, 10, or $12 million? They could. They could do something like that. So again, we'll we'll wait and see this offseason. But uh, if if the price is right, uh, I would hope to think that both parties would want to say, "Hey, let's let's do this again." Because I don't think Crone's going to be getting anything major, even with the the great season he's having this year. Uh, I think there still might just be some general concerns about his age and whatnot. Um, and he might be comfortable. We know some guys are are just more comfortable when they they find a place where they're welcomed. Shoot, he's this is his fifth team in in five years, so. It's like, you know what, I'll, I'll take a hometown discount just so I can have a hometown, right? Rockies have been great to me. And so right. uh, I do hope that they come together on that. It, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens this offseason. Yeah, I, I would, considering that it wouldn't take much and, and the Rockies love those those types of guys, I, I, would, uh, I would think they could get something done there. But yeah, you do never know. Uh, I'll tell you one thing you do know about, though. You do always know. And that's about the quality of Hassle Cattle Company beef. We had some folks talking about it in our Discord channel, frying up some bacon, sharing the good wealth with all the people, letting everybody know what's good. And it is good. It is delicious. I am a big fan of that bacon, also of the ground beef and the ground chuck. They got award-winning hamburgers. They got delicious steaks. And that Wagyu beef really could change your life. It's super, super delicious. None of the antibiotics or hormones and any of that garbage that goes into the animal, bad for them, bad for the environment. Then when you eat it, it gets into your body, it's bad for you, not good for anybody. Instead, get Wagyu beef, Hassle Cattle Company, really delicious stuff. You can get 10% off by using promo code DNVR10. And if you order over 200 bucks, they'll, books, 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 they'll hook you up with free shipping, uh, which I do highly, again, very highly recommend. I always end up going that route. Never once disappointed. Still at 100% positive reviews for our friends at Hassle Cattle Company. It's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And don't forget to use promo code DNVR10. Love the perfect score. Love that perfect score. Love. Which in baseball is a zero. 
all zeros everywhere. Right. And in bowling, it's 300. Yeah. So, he got to mention that. I mean, it's four innings, but he was, Sensatella was perfect through four. Right. I mean, for a second there, you really thought. And and given that he only did give up three base runners in the game, <laughs> you go, he, was, he was pretty close to uh, spectacular today. Yeah, this rotation just continues to just build on itself. And Gomber versus Freeland, Sensatella yeah. against Marquez. Marquez against Gray, like all of these guys, I think they just have this great way of of matching up against one another and say, anything you can do, I can do better. And they've all had their moments, numerous moments yeah. this year. And that's yeah. that's been definitely the most exciting part. We know it's been the summer of CJ with Crone and Kojo, Connor Joe, but the pitchers are are right there with making this summer so spectacular. Yeah. Uh, not to get lost in it. Uh, of course, Kyle Freeland, you mentioned the, the month that he's having. He was the winner in game yep. one. Uh, going again, six innings, seven strikeouts. We had talked before about his increase in strikeouts this year. That's another thing to continue to, to keep an eye on. Uh, the two home runs, the two solo shots that he gave up. Other than that, another great outing from him. Quality start Kyle returns. The worst nickname I've ever come up with. <laughs> um, and then you know, like we said, the other the other thing I didn't want to get lost in today's game. While CJ Crone, uh, you know, I said he, he really carried the offense. They did throw out ten hits. They had an opportunity to run away with this game a couple of times. They had the bases loaded. Was it the fourth inning uh, or, or the fifth inning where they loaded the bases and did not score? Uh, nobody out. A couple of tough at bats there, but really they were getting up and down production. Crone uh, has reached base in 23 consecutive games. Brendan Rodgers has hits in 23 of his last 26 games. Uh, stuff like another couple of base hits for him today. Uh, your prediction that Charlie Blackman was going to have a really solid second half keeps going. Another uh, base hit, a couple of runs scored for Charles Cobb Blackman today. And Trevor Story finally <laughs> broke out of a slump. Been 0 for 23, done eight games without a hit. And remember my stat that I've told you before about how Ryan Maltapia has never gone four games without a hit, ever. Not never has he gone four consecutive games without a hit. Story was in a slump. It happens to lots of sluggers. This was starting to get to be a bad one, though. Finally came up with a double late as a part of that inning where the Rockies were able to get some insurance runs. But while they weren't always able to capitalize, they did keep pressure on with the offense all day. I thought it was one of their better road offensive performances that wasn't one of those things where they just, you know, score 13 runs in LA against the angels or whatever that was. Like this was a very solid sustained offensive effort. today. I know story was probably hoping that Charlie would have gotten on his horse, found a different gear and be able to score from first on that double. Right. Didn't, but you know, Freeland's numbers again. I, I, I don't think it's enough to to win uh, NL Pitcher of the Month. He did go four and zero, and you know Adam Wainwright five and one with a one point four three ERA. But the thing with Freeland is again he's doing this at home in in Coors Field. Actually, has higher strikeout numbers, strikeouts per nine than wow. Wainwright, Max Freed, two guys sitting ahead of him. Max Scherzer, he's a little bit behind on, but again, overall, what what. Uh, you know, Freeland might be missing in ERA. I think he's just made up with gutsy performances against, you know, some really good teams. And one of my favorite things about Friday night wasn't even his performance on the field. It was his performance on Zoom uh, later that that night because he said yeah. post-game, quote, I love taking wins from these guys. I love beating them in their mm. own ballpark. Mm. And like that was just a quote that I, I I pulled out that I just thought was just wonderful to hear him just just say that and, and remind people that look as as much as the the Dodgers may have a payroll that's more than twice of what the the Rockies have and they're the big market team and and even beyond what you see on the field what they're paying the the Dodgers are paying for two three times as much stuff everywhere else they're the team they're the big market team they're the behemoths and yet. You hear Kyle Freeland saying, okay, that's great, but I want to go out there and I want to shove. I want yeah. to shove it in their face, in their yeah. home, against their fans. He's a Colorado kid there. Yeah. And I think that's that little extra 
bit that sometimes you don't hear from guys to say like, Hey, I love beating these guys. You don't often hear that, but I think he has that. That's that. I grew up as a Rockies fan here in Colorado. That's the difference that you heard coming out of him saying, I love to beat these guys, especially in their own ballpark. It's what he talked about during spring training about the Rockies being a snake in the grass. And he got to do that and shove it right down their throats on Friday night. And I thought that was fantastic. No, totally. Uh, I've actually noticed in general a a kind of cultural centering around that idea for this team that, you know, you can, you can only good culture your way into so many extra wins and they've got to get things done with the talent. If their goal really is to flip this around and compete next year. But I do think that that idea they've, you know, the, the John Gray, I want to be here. Uh, If you listen to, Goody's podcast with Austin Gomber this week, everything that he had to say about the pride they take as a unit, as a starting rotation, and the way these guys approach it, and the kind of we want to be here. Um, Goody even said something about, you know, John Gray relishes that challenge. I've, I don't know if I put this in an article or just said it on the podcast before. If not, I'm going to reuse it in an article. So if someone calls me out on it, fine. Um, but I've always compared rooting for the Rockies to playing an original Nintendo game. NES game, for those of you that are too young. I'm talking 8-bit, late 80s, early 90s. Those games were built to be way, way too hard. You're not actually supposed to beat them. You're just supposed to keep playing it over and over again. That's how you get replayability out of them. And that's... That's what it's like, right? And and it's that challenge of you know you're not supposed to, but when that's part of what Kyle is saying there, what he is tacitly admitting without saying out loud, and he would never say these words, is I know we're not supposed to beat those guys. I know that as much as anyone because I grew up here. And I want to beat those guys. And you and you love it. And that's why, and there was a quote, we didn't really talk about this earlier in the year. And from a strategic standpoint, hate is approach all you want. But when Bill Schmidt came out and said, we're not going to be a farm system for bigger teams, that's what kids like Kyle Freeland want to hear, right? That's that's what these guys are, are gathering around as a culture of like, it's us against the world. No one expects us to be good. So we're going to invite everyone into our circle that wants to be here to hell with everybody else. And we're going to go get them. We'll see how far they can take that. But I, I kind of love that that's their attitude right now. <laughs> like, yeah, all right. you, you need that attitude at altitude. You've you yeah. got to have it. It's, and again, especially in, in this down time for the franchise where it's like, look, they're not just going to give up. They're not just going to give in. You know, Kyle's been around these guys and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of this team is homegrown. So they've been around each other. They're playing for each other. You know, and so that that just takes on a different element to it. And also, too, as players, you have no control over what a front office is going to do. Are they going to rebuild? Are they going to trade everybody away? Are they going to bring in a bunch of new guys that that we don't know that might mess up our chemistry or might send some of our friends packing to other organizations because there's not enough room? Like you just don't have control over that. You have no control over what the other teams are doing. But you do have control over how you present yourself and what you're bringing to the ballpark every single day. And that's been the that's the one thing that this team has done, I think, better than ever. Just again, in, in the extremes, it, it shows that they're dominating at home. Clearly, they're coming to the ballpark expecting the win. And yet on the road, they're they're trying as hard as they can. The results aren't there. They haven't been there. They were there this weekend in LA, but for the most part, they haven't been there. But they keep showing up to do that, not just because they're paid not just because they have pride, but because these guys, you know, have a little something extra to them. And again, that's that, that's that brotherhood that they have playing for one another that you get from a homegrown group. It's, it's chemistry almost to a degree. Right. And I think that's the thing that San Diego is struggling with so much right now. And, and, you know, when we talked last week, we said, uh, if they don't make the playoffs, we could see a change in the managerial right. spot. And yeah. the next day, what happened? Larry Rothschild was already out as the pitching coach right there at the end of the season. And so, again, it, it just goes to show you that it's it's more than just numbers and 
plugging and placing it. There's, there's more to it. So again, you, you love what Kyle Freeland is, Freeland is doing as one of the leaders of this team. It's crazy to say that a pitcher is doing that. And it's crazy to say it's a pitcher in Colorado, but the pitchers are leading this team and Kyle Freeland is yeah. leading those leaders. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, and, and it's, it's amazing to see it because it's, uh, so now three, the three wins on the road trip so far, the most they've had all season was four, right? They had that 10 game California roadie where we thought it was going to be, well, I thought, well, we both went on the under there, but still, I, I thought it was going to be an absolute dumpster fire and they ended up coming out and playing pretty well. Um, now here, they've got three already beatable Texas team, but we know it's not like that's almost not. It doesn't. That's not what matters. Right? So they played the Cubs much more beatable than these Dodgers. Couldn't get it done. Kind of, kind of handled the Dodgers. Uh, but opportunity here uh, to so, so I'm pretty sure I'm right that four is the most. So. They can tie it, or if they can win the series, they'd have five wins on the road. Remember, we were talking about a team we thought might win only 13 games on the road all season, so that they might get five in a road trip is quite a difference from where we've been. Yeah, some of their better runs was two and five at the end of April. That was a good run. Good road uh, trip. That month. Around the All-Star break, when they won two out of three, against San Diego. And I think they went to LA and that's where they won the first game, the all-star after the all-star break. So they were four and one right around the all-star break. Um, then they went one of their next three, but still we're five and four overall. And then they closed out July going seven and six. So you're like, Hey, all right, that's a much larger span of play 13 games at the, uh, at the end of July uh, and, and in August 1st in San Diego. So that was not that long ago. Right. So, um, they've, they've been doing a lot better. They, you know, uh, they did start this month. Oh, and nine, um, you know, which, which, no, that's not right. I'm sorry. I was going to say that, that doesn't even seem. No, they, they, they did. They, they had the two game, uh, sweep against Houston. They won yeah. one against San Francisco, lost the first two Chicago. Um, but yeah, this, this has the potential for them. They 21 road wins is the lowest in team history. That's what they're chasing down. And they've got. How many they got left? And today's 18? was 16, right? 16th. Today's was the 16th road win. So, oh, yeah. Mm. It's uh, it's all on the table. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it is. And, it, and it's crazy for how well they played this, this weekend. Again, beating the Dodgers. And we're talking about one of the worst teams. When they, again, they've provided such joy, right? And such, such enjoyment of the game. And yes, they've, Daniel Bard has single-handedly, you know, created a, a generation of, of bald Rockies fans, I think, quite possibly, or yeah. at least uh, te the temples are going back a little bit deeper and deeper on a lot of Rockies fans, especially yeah. if you're, you're, you're tugging on that brim in, in frustration. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it might be close. You know, th this week, this series against Texas could be a big turning point for them because we said – this weekend, this week would be two and a half wins with the over under. I think we might have both taken the under because that's what we've been typically seeing. And they already are at the over. They've got three wins. Yeah. It's a really bad Texas team that doesn't even have David Dahl right now. So not even, not even Milwaukee Brewers. David Dahl, don't forget. So the the update on the since May twenty first, forty five and forty one. Are the Colorado Rockies. It's not bad. There you go. We'll see what happens next. It's been, <laughs> they're playing a lot better. It's certainly it's been better baseball to watch by far. These individual performances when the pitchers go out and do what like Freeland and Sensatella did uh, this weekend. It's fantastic. You're excited every time CJ Crone or Connor Joe comes to the plate. They're going to get Raimel Tapia back tomorrow. I asked Bud Black about that. Sounds like he's going to move over and play center field. Sam Hilliard got hot for a minute, but then he got on hot. Nobody has really claimed that center field spot with Hampson and Hilliard's bats just up and down all year. And what are your Sounds thoughts like on that? What do, you, what do you think about Tapia in center field? 
I I like it. I like the idea. I think it's the best idea if it works out well. And I think this is where you're you're in a time where you can go for the best uh, of both worlds, right? I think Tapia can play a decent quality center field. Um, I worry a little bit because he's been so locked in and left. He's having such a good year. I worry if moving him spots will mess with the good defense he's been playing. But beyond that, I think that's the best solution to the problem, quote unquote, of needing both Connor Joe and Ryan Altapia in your lineup, not wanting to bury either guy and wanting to get the best lineup that you can. But he also intimated that they would hit one, two. He didn't, he didn't tell me yet which would be where, who leads off, who hits second. But it sounds like either way, it's one, two, Joe Tapia. And I like that. Uh, and so I like Tapia in center field. I think there's a bigger chance of that maybe blowing up in your face if it does set him back defensively. But I think that is your best of all possible worlds is a good Tapia playing center for you. So you don't have to continue to figure it out with these other guys. Hilliard can just be a fourth outfielder. Hampson can just be a super utility guy. And I think that is your best lineup. I think that's your best team if that's what you're trying to do. Joe Tapia, Blackman, and then the infield, it's all been very good. Yeah, I like it. I think it's it's a good solution for, for right now to keep both those guys in the lineup. You're right. It could mess up with Tapia's mojo. It it also could be something that we only see for two games, and you go, hey, this is definitely not a fit. I Give him an opportunity, though. Give him an opportunity. It could be something that, that can last a, a little while. You know, the thing that makes me most hesitant about that, because initially – the idea gets put out there and you go, okay, I don't, I don't hate it. First second, I don't hate it. But then the more you think about it, the more you go, ooh, okay, what's going to happen? You know, Tapia's, you know, going to his right. We've already seen Connor Joe colliding with Sam Hilliard a couple times. And you go, oh, no, this, sure. no, they're, they're going to smash into each other. This is going to be really bad. And, and, and it, it may be. But until that happens – Give it a game, and, and again, it may may only be one game. It wouldn't surprise me if it's one game, and you go, uh, okay, let's try to figure something else out. But I think it's definitely worth that game, and I would prefer a Joe Tapia. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think I think yeah. Tapia could maybe learn a little something from Joe, you know, to a degree. I think also, you know, you're you might be splitting the lineup, and maybe you could maybe you could have them flipped, where you go Joe Tapia story, right? You got right, left, right. And then yeah. Blackman batting cleanup, or depending on what you want to do, you go Tapia Joe Blackman story. So you still yeah. got left, right, left. So if if I thought about that for a while, yeah. what I would do is flip it for lefty righty on the hill that day. Okay, I would lead Joe if the, so. If there's a lefty on the hill, I'm leading off Joe, then going to Tapia. And in general, I, I think I agree with you. I like Joe's leadoff ability. I like his on base. I like that he can draw that walk. And then Toppy is not going to hit into a ton of double plays because of his speed. So you like his ability to keep the inning going because he doesn't strike out much. Uh, you know, if he's getting those base hits now, that's a first and third. Or if it goes into the gap, you know, you're, you're doing well there. So, yeah, and then your, your power guys can slide in more naturally to the middle of the order. So I, I like all of that either way. but. I don't think you've got a wrong answer there with, with the way both of them have been playing this year, which is pretty cool to see that the Rockies have that for a lineup that's really had its struggles and, and they still need more position player talent. You're suddenly like, Oh man, we've got too many guys. We don't know what to do with. And, and you know, again, Texas American league ballpark, they're going to have the DH. You that's might not right. even see Toppy in the outfield. Right. You might see him DH, you know, or you might see it, creatively where Tapia is in left field and Joe DHs or Joe just gets his day off. So mm -hmm. it might not be until they get back to Colorado on Thursday against Atlanta that you see Tapia in center field. But I, I think, I think it might be worth a try. Careful what you wish for. I could see a scenario in which maybe it does. Maybe Tapia really sees this as an opportunity and it just kind of, it, it opens up something. I don't think this will be something permanent going forward, but I think playing center field, patrolling that area a little bit, could maybe help him on the backside when he moves back to left field next year. Again, yeah. could it could it go great where he's now the center fielder? Could. 
I think it's a little unlikely, but I think he can learn something from yeah. that shift over. And that, you know, almost a boost of confidence. Like, yeah, we, we think you can do that rather than Joe and right and Charlie and center. It's like, yeah. Yeah, tap, we want you to be the guy that's a little bit out of position and a little uncomfortable because we think you can mm -hmm. adjust a little bit more. I think that could go a long way in the, in the confidence category. Yeah. And I do know, like from back in his minor league days, Tapia liked playing center. If you look at the highlight reels, of um, you know his days in Albuquerque with the ridiculous hill they've got out there. He's made some obscene catches. Toppy and left Joe at first. CJ Carmen Center. <laughs> That's right. That's how you do it. All right. Love it. Since, since you brought it up, and we could end on this. What is the name of the of that thing in um, center field? Go ahead. There's the one. There's one that everyone knows it as. Right. I believe. Is it, well, there, yeah, it's got a couple of different names. There's official ones. There's, and I know. Um, some players, well, I won't get into that. There's official, there's unofficial, and then there's yeah. what I have come up with that yeah. I petitioned to be the new nickname. And, well, still current PR director for the Isotopes and soon to be right. Rockies PR right. guy. He kind of, he shot it down. He didn't like it, but I, I'll, I'll pitch it out there. Center field is called. Tall's? Was that, that that's the, Houston? That was what Houston had. That okay, was, the I was gonna say, why is that coming to my mind? Okay, so what is I know I know Topes ballpark. Not, Topes. It was the Tope Slope. Tope Slope. Then unofficially behind the scenes, it was named after Isotopes manager, Glen Allen Hill. So they called it Glen Allen Hill. Glen Allen Hill. That was the Glen one I Hill. knew, but I wasn't sure if that was public or, or yeah, or talked about. It's so unofficial. The Glen and Allen. Then, and then when I said, "Well, all right, if we're going to name it after the manager, bestow some kind of name upon it, like Glen Allen Hill." All right, we need something for Warren Schaefer, and Schaefer doesn't really give us much to work with. So that's why I decided it uh, uh, a working title for it could be. Warren's Peak. Sounds like Warren. Warren Peace. Um, okay. Warren's Peak. Okay. The fact that I had to explain it tells me all I need to know. It's not no, good. Yeah. But you know what? Warren's Peak. I might it. be with. I'm pretty sure my response was directly with Kevin on that one. <laughs> I've yet to hear a, a better new nickname. So therefore, it's still Warren's You're in Peak. first place. You're Thank in. You. Thank you. Our ranking number one. That's right. Uh, if you've got a better idea for what to call the hill in Albuquerque, or if you're winning bets on DraftKings Sportsbook, or you've just had your first Breck brew, or you've just gotten some bacon from Hassle Cattle Company and you want to let us know about it, best way to do, subscribe to the DNVR.com and come on into our Discord chat. Let us know all about it there. You're not as likely to get our attention every single time, but we are on social media, of course. So you can always hit us up there at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick B. Lyons, at DNBR underscore Rockies, and all of that good stuff. We appreciate each and every single one of you for continuing to be absolutely awesome baseball fans out there. We promise that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons, Drew Creaseman, and Yahir Vasquez behind the scenes producing the show in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.